What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar channel, podcast, live stream, one of those things. You pick one, it's up to you. It's episode 58. Dude, super excited to have trail features on. This is, um, he's been on the, on the uh, Biker Bar a lot in the past, I think a handful of times at least, on some like, some collaboration type type of uh chats but i don't think i've ever had him on just him and 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 actually talking about what he's doing over on his channel so this will be interesting um thanks to this the, the patrons out there the patreon patrons out there you guys every week man every time i see somebody sign up i'm like right on dude you guys you guys keeping it real keeping the stoke like alive to keep the channel going and support me i really appreciate that i can't say enough about it buck a month Get you some coupons or just put beer in my fridge. Whatever makes you feel good. Five bucks, get a sticker pack. That makes me stoked because, I don't know, it's just fun sending them out. I always write a little letter. And uh, it's just interesting seeing where where, where they're going. Um, those of you guys listening on the podcast, thanks a lot, man. I love it. Every time I see the the reviews on there, you guys are, are keep keeping it, keeping it real on there, too. Lots of fun. Um, like and subscribe. If you, if you enjoy what you're doing here, hit the like button or what I'm doing here. If you're enjoying the time that you're spending here, hit the like button. If you're enjoying the content, subscribe for sure, man. Um, it is what keeps me motivated. I really like seeing those numbers and um, it's fun. Leave comments. Definitely. Even on the little clips, if you've seen them, you know, if you're watching, leave a little comment, say something. It's uh, it's fun to interact with everybody out there. So I know I don't keep paying a lot of attention to the chat while we're going, but those of you guys that are throwing up super chats, thank you. I really appreciate it. I do see them. I try to, if I can, like type a little thank you out while I'm while I'm we're having our conversation. I do. But seriously, it, those of you guys that just want to feel you feel the you're feeling the uh, instant satisfaction. Satisfaction, man. Get that word out there all the way into second grade. The instant satisfaction of just throwing up a super chat. Um, that's awesome too, man. I really appreciate it. So even though maybe I don't say something right at the time, it, it is definitely definitely heard and felt and I way, way appreciate it. So let's go ahead and I, I forgot to pick some product to talk about, you know, that I don't have any uh, any other sponsor to, to ramble on about something. But I do have this Maxxis Minion SS tire that one of my buddies here, look at this. It's got these huge knobs on the corners, but like really flat and smooth on the middle. One of my buddies, C-Lock, you guys seen him on the channel a lot. He talked me into that buying that tire. So I want to see what, what that thing's all about. So if you guys have any preference on what tire that I should run up front, throw it in the comments and uh, we'll go from there. Anyways, let's get, let's get uh, our today's guest on. It's going to be fun to have good old trail features or Joe, as some of you guys know. Hey, how's it going, Joe? Hey, pretty good, Robert. Do you like Joe or Joseph? You know, I get that question so freaking much. Uh, Joe is fine. Joseph's fine. Uh, I used to have a preference because growing up in a big family, you could always tell you're in trouble when yeah. your full first name got shouted. And then you, <laughs> right. knew you should hide when your first, middle, and last name got shouted. Oh, yeah. Out. There you go. That's the big the, That's the big one there. Do you? Were you a, a Joey when you were, you were a kid? I was, and it's funny. You can always tell the 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 friends that I grew up with as a kid. They yeah. call me Joey. Like, hey, yeah. what's up, Joey? Yeah, I, I was Robbie when I was a kid, and my my one cousin, she insists on calling me Robbie still, and it's like 
because she like just likes pushing my buttons the same way that I would to her. She does it all the time. So when I go home, she introduces me to everyone as Robbie, like purposely just to F with me. So good times. But and and you know, it's funny because what you just said is I grew up with a uh uncle that's like basically the same age as me. And uh his name was Joe as well. But I still call him Joey too. And I'm like, dude, come on. You expect people to call you Rob or Robert. You can't do the same thing to him. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's it's that ingrained nature that you have. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's no getting around it. So I was saying in the intro, man, that we hadn't talked, you know, just about trail features on the channel, on the any of the biker bar podcasts. So I figured we could get into some of that. Um, I think every time that we've, we've been on the show together, either had another person or we had, a, I, I was looking, we had like an agenda, like we're talking about cameras or you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you realized real quick, that was a mistake. Cause I better <laughs> stop that guy now. You so see, you need to balance the aperture with the- <laughs> this is the thing though, is I finally, you know, broke down and bought a, a legitimate, like, like big boy camera. So now I have like a little bit of a inkling of what you're talking about compared to before all I knew was like iPhone and GoPro. So I don't, I don't know, man, I'm still struggling whenever people, you know, ask about starting a channel and what they should get gear wise. I, I still tell them like, just get a GoPro. You'll be good. Like I, I spent I, or a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. That's I it. mean, I would say the GoPro just for the ease of being able to mount it on different places, you know? Yeah. And it's rugged. Yeah, um, but like, let's be honest. Um, it, it's it's weird the time that we live in. Most kids, and when yeah. I say kids, I mean like you know, fourteen to you know, eighteen. Um, they're more likely to have a cell phone than a GoPro because a GoPro is a luxury item, and yeah, weirdly totally. enough, the cell phone is really considered unessential these days because you got to keep in touch with everyone and you know it's up to each parent to figure out how far they can connect in at certain ages to social media but even crappy crappy phones that you bought used off of ebay that are three years old have a decent camera that can film at least 1080p yeah so yeah and i would say when i first started my channel i was doing a lot more of like pov kind of stuff and now it's like I, I just do so much more with like different B-roll and this and that. And I mean, I feel like you could just set your, your camera on a, or your phone on the side of the trail, do some ride bys and yeah. do some like, you know, vloggy kind of stuff while you're climbing or while you're, you know, standing around and you can yeah. still make a pretty decent video. I mean, you know, you get this question a lot. I get the question, um, what kind of camera gear do I need? And the hard truth that no one wants to hear is if you can't make good content with a cell phone, you're not going to make good content with a $10,000 cinema camera. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hard truth. Tell me like, about you it. have to learn the basics. You have to learn storytelling. You have to learn composition. You have to, you know, learn all these things that quite honestly apply to any camera. Yeah. And until you lo- learn those things, um, it, it doesn't matter. Like my brother-in-law, is actually a professional uh, cinematographer, DP, mm-hmm. uh, director of photography. And he has a $250,000 camera system, one of many that he has. He has like 
probably more than he wants to admit to his wife um, in camera gear. And he set it up when I was out visiting in California and I'm standing there looking at this just cinema level camera. This has been used to film some great movies and TV shows, uh, Ari Alexa. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't know how to work it. Like I, I was literally the dog that caught the car. I'm standing. Oh, that's so funny. And I don't know what to do with it. I don't even know where the power button is. Oh, that's um, funny. Now, once we got it fired up and on my shoulder, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But I'm like, this is so impractical. Yeah, <laughs> I would yeah. never use this. Even in a studio, I would never use it. Um, and that's the thing that like, even I, who am a major camera geek, there's so much camera gear out there these days that are unitaskers. You mm -hmm. buy it for one use and then it sits in the closet. Um, I found that I get the most creative when I'm limited in what yeah. I have. Um, like on Instagram, I made this slow-mo of products. It looks like the products are floating up. Yeah, you were dropping them. Yeah, I was actually dropping it and I was dropping yeah. it with the camera upside down into a box full of pillows so I didn't break my uh, my iPhone. But I oh, just had the camera photo. upside down too. Okay. Yeah. So like it was all practical effects. And the difference between practical effects and like special effects is practical effects are everything you can do in the real world. Like yeah. Jim Henson is a master of pra practical effects because everything has to be crafted, all these things, uh, the mm -hmm. puppets, the backgrounds all that stuff and practical effects, even when done meh are way better than special effects that um, enter what's called the uncanny Valley where you can tell it's fake because it's mm -hmm. so bad. It's just weird. Anyways. Yeah. I did that with a cell phone, a black sheet, a couple of cheap lights and some pillows in an afternoon because I was bored during quarantine. Yeah, I'm surprised. Like, so you, why did you turn the camera upside down instead of just editing it and flipping it and edit and like post? Why? Why not? I knew that was the f the way I wanted the footage, anyways. Yeah, yeah. So I was just holding. Yeah. So there was no practical reason. Yeah, and yeah. Even if I decided I wanted to flip it around, then I could have flipped it around. Right. So yeah, um, you know, going back to that, grab your cell phone and just set it up. Get some rubber bands if you don't have a tripod rubber bands and and string and just yeah. use that to jerry-rig something out on the trail tie it or rubber band it to a branch use rocks i mean quite honestly i have tripods and stuff like that and there are more times that i want to admit that i took a five thousand dollar camera setup and set it up on a bunch of rocks because that yeah. was the most convenient thing That's you know funny. it's it really is people obsess so much with the camera gear it does not matter it doesn't I, matter at all. I enjoy the photo taking process though. I, I can say that like, I've always enjoyed that. Like even with my phone, it would be like trying to like get cool shots for Instagram and stuff like that. And once I got my camera, um, taking those pictures is like, it's really satisfying. Yeah. You're actually taking some pretty good photos, man. I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty stoked on some of the stuff that you sent us. Oh, right on, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there obviously I'm still taking a lot on my Instagram with my phone because that's there all the time. You're not lugging that around on the trail, but it's been oh, fun. Yeah. I mean, I've done a few different, like there was a day not too long ago where we were at the beach for, um, in a beach city for something for the ladies work. And I had the day to kind of just tool around. I was like out just taking a bunch of pictures all, all day. I mean, I kept myself occupied for like eight hours of 
walking around just taking pictures, you know, I was like, this is, I don't know. It was really fun. The crazy thing is, is you can take pictures that long and get home and there's only like 20 that you're happy about. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to the best of us, man. And I mean, like that comes with experience because, you know, you take a bunch of photos and then you realize what didn't work. And then next time when you see that same situation, you're like, "Eh, yeah, let's skip that one. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, you get better at just kind of holding the camera up to something and going, yeah. Nah, it's not going to work. Yeah, I had this there. There, I don't think you're on my personal Instagram. I had um, these two, there was these two guys like out on these rocks that were like out into the ocean. And the, the waves were like crashing in front of them. So like you'd get the spray up in certain times. And I was just sitting there for probably at least 30, 35 minutes taking pictures of these guys, just trying to get the like perfect amount of spray at the perfect direction, you know, like. But I ended up turning out with some pretty cool pictures, though. It, yeah. It's funny, too. Uh, I noticed, I'm, I don't know if you do it, too, like, when you're out, like, just taking pictures, like, I was, like, taking pictures of some dude's kid, you know, like, playing in the sand and stuff. I'm, like, I was showing Katie. I was, like, dude, I got these awesome pictures of this kid. And she's, like, that's kind of weird. You're, like, taking pictures of somebody else's kid. And I'm, like, yeah, I didn't think about that at the time. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, <clears throat> there was this incident I, way back in the day, I actually used to work as a, uh, a vet tech assistant, mm-hmm. like back in my early twenties. Um, and there was this big to do outside of our clinic one day because, uh, across the street is uh, a daycare. And this guy was visiting from, um, another country and he was a, uh, designer. Um, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, uh, architect. Thank you. Gosh, brain is malfunctioning today. He was an architect uh, from a uh, country that was still developing. I don't remember which country it was, but he thought it was so cool how they had everything set up. So here's this dude that doesn't speak very good English taking (laughs) photos of a daycare. People were called. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, you know, it got explained by uh, their friend like, oh, my God. Yes. Cause like uh, um, the guy was like running some errands. And so he just kind of left his friend hanging out in the car. It's like one of those weird scenarios that like, how does this actually happen? But thankfully like nothing bad happened, but yeah, it's, it's a really weird look when you start taking pictures uh, of people, you, you hope that um, most people don't think that you're weird, but uh, that's also why you have long lenses. But that still doesn't help if someone is just yeah. like, oh, there's a dude with like a big old camera lens taking photos of a kid over there. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I, and I'm, I think at this point, too, I'm kind of like experimenting to figure out what I really like to take pictures of. Like you like I've noticed with photography type of people you're, you're talking to, you're, they're like, you know, oh, I like taking pictures of nature or I like taking pictures of food or whatever. And so like right now I'm just like taking pictures of everything. So do you, what, do you have a preference? Um, I think that my preference is like um, street photography, like candid shots of people, because I feel like, you know, yeah. I always get annoyed when people pose for my camera I was mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want you to pose and smile and be like, oh, geez, I want to capture the moment of like you guys having a fun conversation um, and the yeah. expression, because then you can that actually feels like you're looking at a still moment. Yeah. Uh, and then also I like what's that? It's a story. Somebody was telling me that like when you're taking a picture, it should be a story. 
exactly. Like, you know, like, yeah, you should look at it and like, you feel like you're in the moment. You can tell yeah. what's going on or like you kind of build yeah. a scenario in your head. It's, it's fun. Uh, and then like, um, Sedona, when, you know, we were out there for yeah. uh, Sedona mountain bike fest, I was hanging out around Sedona cause I was waiting for my evening flight. So I had tons of time to kill in between checking out of my hotel and getting to the airport. Mm-hmm. I just walked around with my iPhone and I got to tell you, sometimes an iPhone is the best street photography camera because it's really small. No yeah. one looks weird uh, or no one looks at you weird because you're walking around taking photos with your iPhone. Right. So people just kind of ignore you. So you can get those really cool, candid photos. But then you can also squeeze that tiny little lens into the weirdest positions and get yeah. really cool shots. Yeah, it's super fun. It definitely definitely is a good time. It's a... Uh... It's a lot to learn though at first. I know when I first got my my camera, it was like I felt like, you know, I had a pretty good understanding of taking photos from or like using video equipment. I at that point I've been doing my channel for a while and it's like, you know, you spend what I don't know, what was it, like fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks for the camera and the lens, you know, you're like you get this thing and you take it out of the box and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> you yep. know, like so, dog that caught the car yeah 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 you you're totally fancy, like, you know, what do you do with it that's right and going back to it that's why i tell everyone you can learn so much with a yeah. cell phone you might not be able to control the aperture but you can control iso shutter yeah. you can learn composition you can learn lighting you can make you can learn what makes a good shot yeah some of that stuff i'm still like the swedish chef in there just like lork, 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 just throwing <laughs> shit around you know like because yeah. i'm like i'm like i have like an idea like if i do this it'll give me some bokeh in the background those of you guys that don't know bokeh is kind of like when the background is blurred but whatever you're looking at is in focus and uh I, i'll be like oh yeah i know if i do that I, I have to have it this way and then i'm like but i don't want it like that so i'll just turn this knob all the way the other way and we'll see what happens when i look at it later you know? yeah. Eventually you learn. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been a lot of fun. So what um what was it that made you decide to start the Trail Features channel? Um man, that's going back a ways. Yeah, huh? So I think the the reason why was actually a few reasons. So going back to it, like when I was in younger, like 14, 13. I used to really want to uh, make movies. I thought it was really cool. Like I said, my brother-in-law, who at the time was my sister's boyfriend, his dad was a cinematographer, ran his own production house. So he was into cinematography. So, you know, I really liked watching movies when I found out about that. Um, His dad was like, oh, you want to spend a day at my production house and goof around and i thought it was the coolest freaking thing ever because this was back in the day when you had to have dedicated computers that were specifically built to edit video yeah and you know that was that was a super luxury um like that was ten thousand dollars back in 90s money so right we're talking right anyway so like eventually camera gear got affordable enough that i could um you know get lucky enough that my mom bought a um, super eight camera uh, digital camera. Um, and I started playing around with that and I would edit videos at home on the VCR and it was just goofy stuff with my family. And then mini DV came out and suddenly uh, 
video editing became affordable <laughs> relatively yeah. speaking yeah know, yeah knack so like when i was 14 15 uh, i started filming my friends that were skaters and i was the squid that was following them around filming them jumping fences oh, that's really and, cool yeah yeah and you know that was really where i started playing with this and this is way before youtube yeah you know, yeah nowhere to upload this stuff unless you knew how to run a web server right uh, and it was super expensive to host anything. Yeah, and yeah. There was no like you remember what it was like watching videos back in the nineties. It was like this little posted stamp mo made of like ninety pixels. Right. It always <laughs> yeah. buffer and it sounded echoey and tinny. Um, yeah. So fast forward, I worked at a production house, and I was like eighteen, nineteen. I was like sixteen. I was I was a teenager. I was a full on yeah. teenager. One of the teens. Yeah, I took a took a crappy um, community college video editing class. Uh -huh. uh, this local production house came in headhunting for interns to use and abuse. Uh -huh. and so I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So right. I got a job there, and I was making twenty dollars per video. Oh, there unless you go. someone else worked on the video, then you had to split it equally. But there were like <laughs> twenty interns. And whoever could come in that day was just assigned a video to work on. And so 20 bucks would get split five different ways. You couldn't even make up your gas money working. That thing. <laughs> and that's just how the industry is. And I just got so burnt out because yeah. I'd be sitting there and this guy who actually owned the production company came in and was kind of coaching someone like, oh, here's how you do good storytelling with editing mm -hmm. this. And, you know, this guy had uh, done some really cool stuff. And as soon as he left, this hotshot young producer comes in and goes, ah, oh, don't listen to him. And like every stereotype you've ever heard about the industry is absolutely true. <laughs> Everyone's a prima donna. Everyone thinks they're the next Spielberg. Everyone's trying to stab each other to get get in front of the line. Yeah. It's got burnt out on because I just wanted to make cool stuff. So I quit that, got into tech. Fast forward, um, I had hurt my back when I had moved to Austin back in 2014, 2015. I was deadlifting. I fatigued out. I didn't drop the weight. I let it pull me down, and it just rolled my back. And anyone who does any serious powerlifting knows that that's just a guaranteed way to wreck yourself. Um, so, yeah, I I wasn't just in pain i was like physically disabled for like a mm -hmm. year it took me oh, a wow. year of pt because i already had a pre-existing back condition um for messing up my back playing paintball anyways <laughs> that got me laying on the couch watching youtube 24 7 because right. like if i wasn't working i was laying down that was the two major aspects of my life trying to get through the workday without crying as a grown man and then going home and laying down. <laughs> and so uh, I, I used to mountain bike when I was a teenager, but I stopped when I was like 16 because I discovered video games and, well, video games, video games. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I'm watching these videos and, you know, YouTube, the weird algorithm that it is, noticed that like I kind of clicked on a couple mountain bike videos. And then all of a sudden these Seth, Seth and Brian's and all these yeah, yeah. mountain bikers start showing up and I'm like, oh, that's pretty fun. And after about a year, 
um, I got stir crazy because I was like, I need to get out of the house, but it needs to be low impact. And I used to run for cardio, but then I was like, oh, well, I can get a bike and just start biking around. And I wasn't a road cyclist and I didn't want something that was super aggressive. So I just got like a, um, it was a late year model, uh, Kona Lanai, Lanai. Mm -hmm. and it was on sale. I grabbed it and I started riding hardtail. Like, yeah, it's like a basic, like 520 new last year's model usually goes for like 380, 420. No, so like under under $500 hardtail. Yeah. So like I get it and I just start pedaling around and I'm like, well, this is pretty fun. And after a while, I started commuting to work on the bike. And because I was terrified of getting hit by a car and then them trying to claim that I was the problem, <laughs> I started wearing uh, Sony that Action. That so sounds like a Joe thing to think of, too. I, just because I know you, I've known you for a while, that's totally like, I'm worried they're going to hit me and then there's going to be this lawsuit. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's stupid that people don't like road cyclists because they're a mountain biker. Yeah. But I don't. I don't argue with anyone that being a road cyclist is trying to commit suicide and failing at it every yeah, time yeah. you get on the bike. But anyways, that's another topic. Right. Um, so the point is, is riding and I started filming this stuff and eventually I decided to make a video because I was like, oh, you know, I used to like video editing. Yeah. And I, I made a video and I just posted it to my local Facebook, um, you know, my personal one. And, you know, people thumbed it up. I was just like, ah, oh, you know. Cool. That was cool. But then um, I decided to build up a salsa via because I wanted to get a more efficient commuter while still kind of having it capable. And the salsa via uh-huh. is basically like a gravel bike. Oh, okay. you know, it's meant to go off road, but it's still, you know, more efficient than a mountain bike. Yeah, yeah. And then I had my actual mountain bike. So I decided it would be really fun to film the assembly of that. Okay. Because it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm really liking this bike stuff. People seem to like these bike videos. It'd be really cool to put a YouTube video up. Uh-huh. So I, I made it. And that was my very first YouTube video. And a few people liked it. And then eventually I got um, a Yeti. And I was like, well, I'll make a review as a average Joe, no pun intended. Yeah. Bought this fancy bike. Right. What do I think about it? Yeah. And that video got a decent amount of views. Yeah, sure and blew up. any, any, any uh, like review type video, especially on a bike that's hot. Oh like, yeah. Reviews get the views. Yeah. There's that's cool, man. That's really cool. So then from there, it just was like, all right, here I'm in the game. Yeah. From there, it was just started gaining critical mass. And then yeah. um, the channel actually didn't really take off until I wouldn't say it didn't take off. It was like, Growth was steady, but at a at a reasonable pace until I decided that I was going to make a video focusing on more affordable bikes because I decided to sell the Yeti and I was um, bike shopping and I realized how much it sucks because <laughs> yeah. there's so many good bikes out there these days that even if you know what you're doing, it's such a hard decision to make. And then... If you're a newbie walking into this, there's yeah. so much conflicting information out there. Yeah, totally. Like long travel, short travel, 29 or 27. What's better? What's better? 
and it's like just get on a bike and ride it if it feels good yeah. that's it you know the downside is like a lot of that stuff that you want to know the answer to as a new rider you won't know until you've ridden for a while exactly. so like otherwise all you're doing is just taking somebody else's opinion and making it yours like if somebody's like oh dude this is why 29 is the best and you're like okay i'll buy a 29er you, you know what i mean you're not like yeah. you might not you might not actually like a 29er you know what i mean there but you so don't know bikes. you have to ride for a while before you can come to that place yeah there's so many bikes out there that look great on paper that i've ridden and hated yeah <laughs> like the first um the gorilla gravity bike not the current one that's carbon fiber, but the one right before that. Uh -huh. I rented that bike because there were so many people like, oh, it's such a great bike. And on paper, I love the geometry because it had this yeah. nice long reach, super slack, aggressive. And I love the fact that it was modular. So like I could buy different shocks and forks and have different bikes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm sold on this. And I almost was going to have them build me a custom bike, like custom welded and everything. Yeah. And I rented the bike for a day, took it up to Trestle. That bike was terrifying because my riding style did not complement it it wants oh, a wow. very very aggressive rider that's in that attack position constantly and yeah. can throw around a bike and i'm not that person it's yeah. not that i um let the bike take me for a ride it's yeah, yeah. that i'm i'm not a shredder i don't want to go mock chicken down everything i actually <laughs> prefer more slow tech uh, but i still love going to the bike park don't get me wrong but yeah that bike was terrible for me and i, I funny that, it's funny that you say that i just told the story to somebody i think it was yesterday like before i bought the bronson i was 100 percent set on the yeti sb5 like on paper i wanted that bike i wanted that bike i want i would like look at it every day i would what i was going to do is i live in california i was going to drive to oregon to buy it because they don't have sales tax on it up there. So I was like, oh, I'd save almost a, you know, a couple hundred bucks by going up there. And like, I, I just like thought about it all the time. Okay. Well, I'm going to go visit these people and I'm going to get this build. And like, but on the other hand, I kind of liked the Bronson too, but it was like, it was like my, my side chick, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I would, so like when I would be searching, cause I would still, cause I, I had this money set aside. I had like, um, refinance my house so that's what actually would gave me enough money to buy one of these expensive bikes right so i had this some money set set aside from that like i got some money out of it or i sold my house i can't remember which one it was anyways um and i so i was looking for used bikes at the same time i was like planning on this new one and i was like well let's see what comes up first i wasn't in a hurry and i ended up finding you know there's just screaming deal on this bronson and i bought it and later on down the road, I ended up renting that SB5 and I couldn't stand it. Yep. I'm like so happy that I ended up with the Bronson. I mean, there are so many things, not even just bikes, but just like material objects. You love the idea of it. Yeah. Like everyone loves the idea of having a Bugatti. But mm -hmm. then you look at maintenance, storing, driving. It's just yeah. not practical. And that's one of the things that I try to really focus on in my channel is like practical bikes. Yeah. Like I got a lot of flack for calling the um, GT sensor a budget bike. And you know what? That's actually a valid point. Uh, at the time, it was uh, $1,900 for the bike. That is not chump change. 
Yeah, that's not. That's a lot of money, especially right now. But it, it's twenty five percent of what some bikes cost. <laughs> you know, exactly. So. Like you know, relatively speaking, full yeah. suspension bikes are not cheap because you can get a twelve hundred dollar full suspension bike. Diamondback, I think, sells one around that price. But man, is it is it bare bones? It is yeah. so bare bones. It is like like single pivot, um, very basic linkage. Yeah, All yeah. the components on it are bottom of the barrel. Like it's it's fun to think about a bike like that, but I would never recommend it to anyone. Yeah, I would rather them take twelve hundred dollars and get an amazing hardtail. Yeah. So, yeah, I tell people know, when they have a, a small budget like that, I'm like. Either go hardtail or commit to getting something used and be yeah. all right with getting something that's got some scratches on it. And but it's gonna it's gonna be a way better bike than what you're looking at right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although, you know what? I also get a lot of flack for this. For new riders, I do not recommend used. Unless you yeah. have a friend that could really help walk you through the process. Yeah, I could see but, that. You um, could end up with garbage. Yeah, if you don't, um, there have been so many people that have told horror stories and people that, you know, are pretty savvy when it comes to it, but they didn't realize that, like, there was this horror story happening inside the bottom bracket. And they're like, oh, yeah. God, there's like all this corrosion and there's a crack. And there's like a lot of stuff you can miss. Yeah. Um, when I sold, when I sold my Yeti, like, I went top to bottom with that thing to make sure that it, it was probably in the best shape that it had ever been for me to sell it. Like I didn't take yeah. that good care of it compared to what I did to make sure it was good. Like I got the bearings and the wheel set redone. I completely stripped down the linkage and rebuilt it. I had the frame checked over top to bottom because I did not want to be that person that sold a crap bike. Yeah. I'm like, I sprayed that thing off. <laughs> what's that um if i'm selling a bike i'm like i sprayed that thing off with a hose man <laughs> yeah but yeah like um i always get nervous when you go on reddit and someone asks like hey you know i'm, I'm looking at a bike in this budget what should i buy oh buy use like that's such a blanket statement you have no yeah. idea the experience they have you know i idea what the market's like there i've seen some yeah. buddies get get hammered on that too where they bought a used bike and then it was like an older specialized and they had some funky shock that they only did for themselves. And in order to get it serviced, nobody does that anymore. You got to send it to some Yahoo out in like the backwoods of Oregon and he'll get it back to you in a few weeks. And you know, it was like, Oh, that sucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's actually why. So here's, here's a little secret. You know, that Schwinn Axum that I recently reviewed the Walmart bike. Mm-hmm. When I first got that email and I saw it was from Schwinn, I laughed because I was like, there's no way I'm reviewing a piece of shit Schwinn. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I would never have said that yeah. uh, to their face because like at first I was like, no, that's not, that's not worth anyone's time. Better than that. <laughs> but I, I clicked on it. I'm looking at it and I started looking at the photos. I was like, those are all standard parts. Yeah. Like, is that a tapered head tube? Yeah. That's a threaded bottom bracket. And that's wait a minute, hold on. This there might be something here. And like, you know, I yeah. I looked at the email for a couple days, and then I was like, Oh my god, this is actually a really good bike. 
Like, you know, it's still very entry level. I wouldn't take it down a double black diamond and, you know, send it to flat. But for someone that just wants to get the bare minimum but good bike, that actually was a really good deal. And the reason why is because since it used standard parts, like with your buddy that got screwed over on the proprietary shock, Mm -hmm. you can walk into any bike shop with a broken derailleur bad cranks, bad shifter, and they're going to be able to pull something off the shelf and replace it. That is a huge benefit for a new rider because it takes away a lot of the frustrations. Yeah, totally. Definitely does. You know, um, it's funny when you were telling like the, the backstory of your channel earlier and you're like, it didn't blow up until this point. And I was like, knowing you, your channel like kind of, got this huge growth after you decided to stop kind of doing YouTube for like, like, like you kind of like not quit, but like, I'm not doing this, like, you know, aggressive, like I'm trying to be a YouTuber kind of, I don't know how you called, what would what you call that change that you did? Cause you kind of took a step back. Yeah. Um, I called it not giving a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you went from, all the fucks given to none of the fucks given. <laughs> exactly. Which, by the way, I try to keep it very clean on my channel, uh, but I know yeah. here we can be a little yeah. bit more open. Uh, if <laughs> Robert knows if you met me in person, you know that I will cuss like a sailor if I feel comfortable. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, you know, I feel like everyone goes through the cycle where they decide to start a YouTube channel. It starts to have a decent amount of success. You start getting those the 10 subscribers, 20 subscribers, 40 subscribers. And you're like, oh, you start getting those delusions. Like everyone has it, those little thoughts of like, yeah, I could quit my job. I yeah, could totally, totally do this. I, you know, the, oh, wow. I, you know, I just need to get a thousand subscribers and then I can start monetizing. And then the money will just roll just on in. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. Uh, YouTube ruined my life for a while yeah it ruined my relationship it ruined my job it ruined my spare time it ruined my love of mountain biking because i became so obsessed with making content everything had to be content um when i my girlfriend wanted to start riding with me and i started getting all these ideas about how i can make videos on it i was treating her like a prop yeah (laughs) And so, you know, and then I would go out and use all my spare time to film stuff and never spend any time with her. And then when I get home, I'd be tired, exhausted. I would maybe shower before eating and then sit down on my computer and start editing because I was like, I got to get a video out this week because I was so obsessed with that weekly cycle. And, you know, it just I'm a person that I get fixated on stuff and and I have a lot in common that way. So I can totally relate with what you're saying. Yeah. So it can be great, like at work, if my boss gives me a task that like I just dig into, he knows that yeah. I'm going to work on it until I know it's perfect and polished. Right. That was something he actually said on my uh, review uh, last month. He's just like, you know, we never really have to go back and rework your stuff. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, that's me tooting my own horn. But no, like, seriously, it really (laughs) did ruin my life because, like, I would want to go for a ride, but then I'm like, oh, my cameras aren't charged. Yeah. Like, I had to film every ride. So, like, what was the point of riding if you're not going to make content out of it? That's wasted time. You you should do something else. And 
like basically between me being miserable and my girlfriend kind of giving me an ultimatum of like get your shit together dude yeah like this, this is really messing with things joe yeah um i just had to i just had to let go of everything yeah. and just like back off and that was around the time that you know i was trying to get rid of the yeti and i was like that was also why i got fed up with like trying to figure out how to buy this perfect bike. I'm like, you know what? This sucks. I'm just going to buy like something that I need. I don't need a $10,000 bike. Yeah. You know, I barely can use the Yeti. And <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't not like these other guys that I'm seeing. <laughs> like my wheels don't leave the ground most of the time. Yeah. I don't set any speed records going up or down. So yeah. um, just not having a good time. Yeah, exactly. And that, that was kind of the moment of just letting go of it all. Yeah. And I don't hold it against anyone that has that work ethic where like they can balance things perfectly. And I have no balance. I can't balance at all. Yeah. Like the, the full timers out there, like BKXC amazing yeah. work ethic. And you know, BKXC has even said, he's like, I have never met anyone with a work ethic like Seth. Yeah. Seth is, Seth is successful because Seth is able to organize himself that well. Yeah. Yeah. Utilize every moment of the day while still balancing things. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why he has a very hard, um, what, what's the term I'm looking for? He has a very, uh, strict rule of like his personal life is completely separate. From yeah. 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 He I see what you're saying. Wife into it. He doesn't really yeah. make a lot of content about his personal life. He's like, Seth bike hacks or he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Turn <laughs> no off or turn on. So, yeah, yeah, I hear you there, dude. Yeah. And you know, I went through something similar, so I can totally relate with you where I have that same thing where I get a hundred percent fixated on something. And when I first started my channel, that was it. I can imagine. I, I know like when I would be talking to the lady, there would pretty much be like no conversation that I wanted to have with her unless it had something to do with YouTube for like oh, yeah. a while, you know, it was like, I'm sure for her, it was like, all right, dude, can we just talk about like the price of tea in China right now without it being some dude in this channel or what you're doing on that or what camera, like shut the fuck up already, dude, you know? And uh, I think I kind of came to a similar conclusion like you, where I was like, man, I'm like, I didn't want to do my job because I don't want to do was edit. And I didn't want to like, hang out with the family cause I'm trying to edit and, uh, or I'm trying to ride. And you know, those are both not short things that you can do real quick and pop right back, you know? And so, yeah, yeah, I definitely went through that. Not sure if I lost Robert or Robert lost me. Oh, you're, going. Oh, you're back. Oh, there we go. That was a blip, dude. Holy shit. I was yeah. like, don't make this happen to me again. I'm about to lose my mind. I was Hopefully like, that was it. I was like, is, is uh, that uh, me or is that him? Who's who's on first right now? With Sundays and this internet here. Oh, I think my, my router hates Sundays. I think that's what it is. I don't know. Oh, you know, hopefully what it, that was it. It might be that it's uh, renewing its DNS leaps. I don't have no idea, but it's been like off and on. And it's like, I can't 
pin it on whether it's my hardware or it's the host, you know, the ISP. Yeah, I had this really annoying thing where like um, every day, <laughs> every night at like one in the morning, my um, my modem would renew its lease mm -hmm. and it would drop internet while I was doing that. Which, by the way, someone asked what we guys do for our real jobs. Both of us are in technology, so we're we're talking Greek right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the middle-aged masher. He's one of the guys down. I think he's down in Phoenix, if I remember correctly. Yeah, unfortunately, we're both IT guys, so then we get overly obsessive with anything that's um, IT-wise. So. Yeah, I'm actually technically on call right now, which is why I kept glancing down every time my phone was dinging. I was like, oh, uh, okay, still up, no fires. Um, right. What were we talking about? Hey, Rocco. Rocco just decided to come to visit. Oh, right on. Um, how long you had your dog? Rocco is like going on 14, 15 now. Right on, he's, dude. He's, he's getting, getting up there. Yeah, I actually uh, got him when I was working at that vet clinic I was talking about. I was a uh -huh. vet tech assistant. And one of my coworkers, uh, she, uh, her mother had a Border Collie Blue Healer mix. And at that time, I was thinking about either getting a Border Collie or Blue Healer. Uh -huh. And her dog was not fixed. And, and she got out, the dog, and got into shenanigans. And that's how Rocco was born. And so they were looking for people to adopt the puppies. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll take one. And I got Rocco, who's the biggest derp I've ever met. <laughs> I think if you don't have a dog that does stupid things, it's like, it's not as fun. <laughs> What's that? I said, if you don't have a dog that does stupid things, it's not as fun, right? Oh, yeah. Rocco. What do you mean derp. by derp? I need to know what that word means. Derp? Yeah. Oh, derp is like derp, you know. Okay. Like, yeah, that's what I was it, thinking. So it's like an really epic sure. brain fart where just like all <laughs> logic and reason leaves your head. Yeah. Like um like you have labs, right? Labrador. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know those moments where like they just do something so hilariously dumb. <laughs> yeah, like cat shit. That's probably yeah. a good one. Uh, that's a derp <laughs> moment. You're like, oh, you're such a derp. Yeah. What did he do the other day? Oh, we were out in the, it was a couple of weeks ago. It was like, we were out in the backyard. I had a little fire pit out there. Everybody's hanging out around the fire pit, drinking beers, having a good time. And uh, all of a sudden he's like, he like pops up. His nose is up in the air and he's like smelling all over, smelling all over. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And he just takes off beelines across the yard over to where the cat was, who apparently just pooped. Oh, God. <laughs> It was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? He was like asleep and it was like, oh, what was that? He's <laughs> you know, like, you gotta be killed. Get out of here, dude. Oh, yeah. So here's a story from my vet days. Um, we had this family bring in, it was like a one-year-old Labrador, which at that stage, one-year-old is still puppy. They still yeah, got yeah, tons yeah. of energy and no control over their body. Yeah, labs are puppies until they're like five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. most, most high energy working dogs are. But anyways, this uh, this family brings in their dog. It's not eating. It's really lethargic. We take x-rays and we see these really dark masses in its intestines. Uh -huh. And we're like, oh, that's not good. This dog has cancer. You know, like we're running through all of it. But 
we, um, you know, we, we schedule it for surgery. Uh, we get it open and the doctor pulls these rocks out of the dog's intestines. And it's like, you know, rocks, big jagged rocks. And we're like, what the crap? You know, so we get it all cleaned out because we're happy. It's not, you know, a tumor. Cause like, yeah. Oh good. It's just, you know, derp. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this rock, trying to figure out like, what would possess a dog to eat a rock? And then I noticed this black stuff on it and I start flaking it off and I realize it's like char. I'm like, what? And then like it clicks in my head and like, I didn't even put down the rock. I just walk out of the surgery room, go into the front where the family's waiting. It's like, do you guys have a grill in your backyard? Yeah do you have zero scaping like with rocks like this? Yeah. And like, you could see it click in their head too. Like, yeah, <laughs> the drippings from the grill yeah. fell down onto the rocks. The dog <laughs> ate the rocks and not yeah. just a rock, a like four of them. Like all of them. <laughs> so like he had to motivate himself to be like, Ooh, that smells great. Ah, oh, that really hurts. Ooh, another one. <laughs> <laughs> dogs are amazing i always have this my my dog is like like very 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 food driven right and he like he eats so fast that we have to have this special bowl for him that slows him down so it like slows him down from like 10 seconds to like 30 seconds so it's still not like some dogs will be like yeah we'll eat a little bit maybe I'll come back later eat a little bit more some dogs are like take their time like pick it up walk over here drop it over there eat it over there like he does like if a vacuum cleaner had an extremely high setting compared to where it's already at, that's where he eats at, right? So um, I always have this thing in my mind. I, if I just came home one day and just cut the whole fucking bag open and just sit it on the floor, would he... Because I've seen him eat enough or I've seen him eat and then puke, right? Because that's where we had to had to get the, the, the slow bowl for. Like, will he eat... It, once he pukes, will he keep eating the draw dry dog food or will he eat his puke? And then at uh, what point will he actually stop? Like, will he actually get full and be like, I'm done? Or he just eat until his stomach explodes, he dies. Rocco is <laughs> the same way. And quite honestly, um, I think that's just the way that I'm going to let him go out. <laughs> you just give the <laughs> like whole bag. Pour the bag out and be like, all right, dude, like, just, <laughs> just go for it. One of my friends, actually, you know, uh, Richard from Stickard, I think he had like a roommate or something like that in college. And this guy's dog knocked over like a Costco sized box of um, dehydrated mashed potatoes. Oh, and he ate the whole freaking thing. And of course, uh, or he ate as much as he could. And of course, he is thirsty. And then he drank a bunch of water. And they said they came home and this dog had like mashed potatoes, like oozing out of any hole in his body, just like frothing out of his mouth and his nose and just laying on the ground. His stomach was huge. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of the most dangerous things that a dog can eat is uh, rising dough. So oh, yeah. like if you are like making homemade bread, which a lot of people were during quarantine or mm -hmm. like you have um, like Pillsbury Doughboy, yeah. um, you know, croissants or whatever. If your dog gets into that, that's an immediate trip to the emergency room because it starts to expand in their stomach. It can actually cause a lot of issues. 
Yeah, that's good to know because I'm sure at some point or another my dog will get a hold of something he's not supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely they're they always make for good stories. You always have good stories when you have a dog. There's something that make people laugh about. Oh yeah. Now he's now he's hanging out on the floor back there. Yeah, he does that well. You always got good pictures of him on your Instagram just kicking it. Oh so, yeah. Well, he's old. Yeah. So um what kind of at this point you've done a few lower budget um bikes let's just, i i don't know what the politically correct way to to say what i'm trying to say is we'll just call it lower budget bike videos what goes into you deciding like hey this is a bike that i'm going to choose for that so there was something that i said on my channel a while back i don't like to feature things on my channel that i wouldn't buy with my own money mm -hmm. and you know part of it is like i have the benefit of you know experience with buying maintaining upgrading repairing bikes so for me like I think, is this a good deal? Like going back to the Schwinn. Yeah. I, at first I was like, no. And then I realized like, actually, considering that rural America, you're way more likely to come across a Walmart than you are a bike shop. This is actually a pretty good deal. Um, so yeah, it's like, first off, would I actually buy it? Is it something that I would buy myself or recommend to a family or friend member uh, friend member, yeah, uh, member. family member, a friend. <laughs> I don't want to know what a friend member is. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, would it be something I would actually recommend to someone that I know? And is it, is it something that's going to last or be able to be maintained? Because I hate bikes with proprietary stuff that yeah, only exactly. you can get because bikes should be able to last for as long as you want to keep them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, is it a good design? I think it's really silly when mountain bikes after a certain price point aren't built with aggressive geometry and aggressive is kind of maybe not the right term, modern geometry, which is, yeah, it. it's not like it costs them anymore. Yeah. I mean, part, part of that goes into like, if you have a really slack head tube, you have to make sure the welds are good. And, you know, you would hope that a frame is good quality, but there's a lot of engineering that goes into that and making sure that the, the quality control uh, is up to par. Okay. And also you got to make sure the components can keep up with that. Because if you have this really slack head tube and it's aggressive, but then you have crap brakes, crap tires, crap everything, it doesn't matter how good the geometry is. The bike is not going to be able to to keep up with what you think it can do, which is why a lot of entry budget level bikes are more XC because they're a lot more user friendly for someone first getting into mountain biking because yeah. the steering is not as aggressive. So it feels better uh, to control. Uh, it doesn't require a lot of, you know, what we call body English, where you're really using your body to move the bike around and you're having a conversation with the bike, as I like to put it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, is it something I'd recommend? Is it a good deal? Does it have proprietary parts? If so, it's immediate write-off. And uh, is it something that can be maintained over time? Those mm -hmm. are the main things that I look at when I'm trying to decide if there's a bike that I want to review. Is there um, a, a full suspension, a lower-cost full suspension that you would, like, 
that comes to mind whenever you're thinking about like a budget friendly bike? Is it the GT still or? So, you know, what's funny. Um, a lot of people think that I'm sponsored by GT. I'm not. I bought this bike with my own money. <laughs> I, I have the receipt I paid. I paid full price for it. No discounts, no nothing. It was, that was the bike that I saw after selling my Yeti. I had more than enough money to get it. So there was no point in getting the discount because at that point I was, you know, just showing off if I tried. Right. Um, and I really wanted to make it a sincere thing of this bike I bought with my own money. Sorry, I was dismissing some alerts. Yeah, no, um, Anyways, the GT is still a great bike. And I would still recommend it if people like GTs. If you throw a leg over it, you really like it. It's not a bad bike. What was it? I don't know what the cost was. Like, was retail? Um, so when it first came out, it was $1,800. That's what I bought it for. And then the whole, you know, economy war started. And then it, the price went up to $1,900 to offset that. And it's basically stayed at $1,900 now. I think it's edged up to yeah. $2,000 because they put some higher end components right. on it. But, Which but under, under two grand though for a, a full suspension bike. Not bad. For you know? a good full yeah. suspension bike. Like this thing is upgraded with a lot of parts. Um, and I've, I've taken it to bike parks. Mm-hmm. And bike parts, bike parks are really hard on components. I don't care how good you are going to say bike parks are really hard on bike parts. And if you exactly. can say that fast five times, you win a hand up hat. But yeah, like, you know, Jordan Boostmaster always uh-huh. fixing something on his bike because he lives yeah, at the yeah. park. It yeah. just demolishes bikes. Yeah. This, this is my park bike. <laughs> so yeah. anyways, um, is there one that I recommend? Uh, funny you should ask that because there is something that should be arriving on Monday if the tracking is accurate. Oh, that's wow. going to be the next review. And it's not a GT. It's not a GT. It's not a GT. And it's cheaper than the GT. And quite well, honestly. Diamondback earlier. I'm putting my money on that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not a Diamondback. Uh, it's a brand that a lot of people have heard about. And quite honestly, many people like their series of full suspension bikes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is oh, this is a bike that I'm interested in trying. I've been wanting to try it for a while. Yeah, man, I like I, I have the new full suspension bike fever right now, but I keep going back and forth with myself. Like, do you really need a new bike, Rob? Like, what is the reason that you need that you want this new bike? And I can't come up with a real reason other than I really just want a new bike. So I think what I'm going to try to do is tuck that away in some closet somewhere as long as I possibly can. Like the other day, and I think it's like, it doesn't even matter if it's a new mountain bike. I think it's just like, I need a new bike right now. Like the other day, um, I broke a spoke on my gravel bike. I was like, new bike, need a new bike. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what will you are shot. Bye. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, that's the thing I always try to remind myself. It's easy for me you know, who has like literally just bikes on bikes on bikes on bikes right now yeah. because I have review bikes, yeah. I have personal bikes that I've bought. Um, and at the end of the day, like they're all fun. I like them for different reasons, but if I had to give them all up, I probably would just pick a really nice hardtail. Yeah. Full suspension is 
is great. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of benefits of having a full suspension bike, uh, better traction, being able to not get beat up. But quite honestly, if like when I had my Chromag built up, even when I had my Yeti, if I only had an hour to go for a ride, I grab my yeah. hardtail because yeah. I wanted that hour to be the most fun, challenging hour that I could cram into the day. My hardtail is definitely my go-to bike. Um, but if I only was able to have one bike, it would still be a full suspension. I, could, I, I don't hold it against anyone. Yeah, yeah. I just personally like hardtails better. No, I, I just feel like there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't be able to ride if I didn't have a full suspension. You know, at least where I live. I mean, dude, you're in Colorado, though, too. I mean, so I guess I could ride it. It just wouldn't be as fun. Like, it would definitely build, build like, my back would just be like, dude, you need to stop oh, yeah. this sport. You need to get over all, it. All day epics are really hard on hardtails. Yeah. Um, you can do it, but the older you get or the more injuries <laughs> you have. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want to at least look at plus size tires. Um, but yeah, yeah, full suspension. Full suspension is great. I have full suspension. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely a good time there. That's for sure. Um, Darn, I had like this amazing question I was going to ask you. And now it's like, whatever, it's gone. Um, what, uh, so I know you've been, been occupied a lot lately with, uh, some, some production stuff. You want to talk about that? Oh yeah. So you guys uh, already are not thinking the production stuff that, that he's about to get into. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's such a rabbit hole. So, um, <laughs> you can't quite see it because it's a little dark, but right there, that is a 3d printer that i recently purchased and i the the idea was is that i always have these ideas for camera mount positions but it's always so hard to get the stock gopro arms to work well because you have to like really crank them down and if you use too many adapters like then it just wobbles all over the place and i was just like you know 3d printers are getting so cheap now I'm pretty mechanically inclined. I bet I can figure this out. And long story short, within the span of like two months now, I've been teaching myself AutoCAD or, well, CAD. I'm using Fusion 360. I'm learning all this different material science, trying to figure out what's the best material, trying to figure out what's the best configuration for stuff. And I mean, Robert has seen my prototypes like there are just rabbit holes in rabbit holes that I've fallen down <laughs> trying to solve problems, engineering myself into a new problem. And like, so would it be wrong it, to talk about like what part you're trying to engineer or, or you want to keep that in, in the, under the wraps? Well, I mean, it's basically just a GoPro mount, All right. like it's a GoPro mount with modular arms yeah. um, that interlock together. So like they actually have indexing. So like when you lock them in place, they stay in place. So every time that Joseph has his final design, as soon as he's posting pictures of it, he's like, yeah, but there's some modifications that I need to make. So it's, I'm it's already working on something else. I don't think every, it's ever going to be finished. <laughs> you know, Brian has often said, you know, that famous quote of uh, perfection is the enemy of good. Yeah. And I'm not even to good yet <laughs> because every time I think I get to good, I find this massive flaw with it because I'll, yeah. I'll 3d print a test print. I'll look at it and be like, yeah, this feels really strong. It's really good. And then I'll put it into a configuration. I'm like, Oh, but it doesn't work if you do that. 
yeah. or I think it's really awesome. And then I print it off and I mount it on my bike and I take it for a ride and it just cracks and falls off. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I need to redesign it or I need to find a better material. And so, you know, on my, on my channel, since I focus on budget stuff, I get so many comments of like, why are bikes so expensive? This is 10 cents in materials. It shouldn't cost that much. Uh -huh. Well, on my computer, when I throw something into what's called the slicer, where it takes a 3D model and then it figures out how it's going to print it, I can tell it how much my filament costs and it can figure out how much filament it's going to use and how much that's going to cost me in filament. And it'll be like 15 cents for right. uh, an arm. And like, oh, well, you should only charge a dollar. Okay, like now let's talk about all the time that I put into this. Let's talk about all the parts that broke. I've probably gone through like $50 worth of filament alone, just beta testing this. You know, I'd rip through that stuff with this printer. And then if I decide to sell it, I have to find a manufacturer, work with an actual engineer to figure out how to do injection molding. Then I got a quality control test that. So I have to have someone testing it. Then I got to worry about warranties. Then I got to figure out how to stock it. Then I got to figure out how to ship it. Then I have to figure out a storefront. Then I have to figure out uh, making sure that I have an LLC. So that way I don't get sued and they come after all my money and my retirement funds. So, so you guys remember earlier when I was talking about how Joseph, that's one of those Joseph comments when he was worried about somebody hitting him on a road bike. This is exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I said to him when he was telling me, he was saying something like this on our, our Slack channel. And I was like, dude, just put it on Etsy and print one at a time when somebody wants one and find out if they actually want them. And if somebody hits you up because they broke theirs, then you can decide what you're going to do. But that's not the way that Joseph's brain works. No, I, I got to go through the whole process. Like I said, that's, why the, that's why my boss likes me because I get I asked the question. I go, all right, this, then this, then this, then this, if that, then right. <laughs> like, um, anyways, but like, you know, uh, Aaron from PNW components, uh -huh. Um, he and I talk in the background a lot. He's a good friend of the channel, not a sponsor, just a good friend. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I sent him these texts and I'm like, how does anyone make anything? Because this is so like infuriating the whole process. And then, uh, I like go through that spiel of like this, 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 yeah, yeah. and he's like, yup. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And then everyone <laughs> complains about how expensive it is. Um, and I was like, yeah. And then you got these freaking YouTubers asking for free samples and then they make videos <laughs> on it. Right. And he's like, yeah, too. Yeah. And then there's that. <laughs> so, I mean, it like, basically what that means is yes, 10 cents in material, but then there's so many people and steps in between. That's how 10 cents in material turns to into into a $20 part. Yeah. So how are you liking living in Colorado and riding there compared to the riding that you um, originally kind of like fell in love with down in Austin? You know, I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of miss some of the riding in Austin. I get weird looks whenever I say that. Yeah, because, no, I'm interested in hearing why. <clears throat> because Colorado is so famously epic, right? right? We got multiple bike parks. We got... Monarch Crest, we have all this stuff. Uh, there's like just down the road, there's a bunch of jump parks that I can mm -hmm. go to. And so, yeah, there's tons of stuff out there. 
But Austin had this really cool network of trails that just spanned the entire city because it was hill country. And once you got out of the mountain bike trails, it usually would be that you could connect in to like a footpath or a green belt trail or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you could go and grab some food because yeah, like, yeah. there were tons of, um, there was tons of food trucks and everything. The culture there for biking was really inclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, like bikes were just a part of the uh, community there road gravel whatever didn't matter uh franken bike was this big uh swap meet that i used to love going to where it was just people uh-huh. with whatever parts they had would just lay them out on a blanket and you could barter with it and i watched people build bikes at franken bike i actually wanted to make a video where i went to franken bike and had like a hundred dollar budget and had to walk out with a functioning bike uh-huh so yeah, um, be fun, actually, yeah, it would be a super fun video. Yeah, like that's how cool it is. And there was tons of great bike shops there. Uh, they have that downhill park now. And basically the reason why it worked was because of instead of all these people sitting there and complaining that they lived in this super flat area, they only had a few hundred feet to work with, you know, there's no good trails. They went out and figured out how to make the most of 20 feet of elevation even yeah Just yeah how to make it fun and the reason why i love it is because you just got done with a crappy day at work you got home you have just enough time to shove some food in your mouth grab your gear and grab your bike and go out and maybe get a 30 minute ride in mm-hmm. here in colorado if you want to get in like a good ride you usually have to drive out to the foothills yeah which can depending on where you are can be 30 minutes in of itself uh, or up to an hour then you got to climb all the way up like 800,000 feet and then you can go down whereas with Austin like you just go to the trailhead and because it's this up and down really twisty windy uh, kind of like like Sedona almost just like exactly yeah 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 you're just in it like the second you hit the trail there's no real climbing trails it's just the trail yeah Um, and that's what made it so fun and how creative the mountain bikers got there that's, that's why cool. i loved it yeah yeah no i can totally see where you're coming from there because i'm in a similar position where i'm at in northern california it's 30 45 minutes till where i'm riding and yeah of course i'm, I'm just like you said i'm gonna park at the bottom i'm not parking at the top because i want to finish on a downhill so like yeah yeah then i'm climbing for another 45 minutes from there and you know it's Definitely a lot more commitment there. I, I've been riding a lot of road bike lately during the week just because it's like what you said. I mean, I can go like right out my door and right by my house, there's a paved trail. It's like 32 miles long. So it's like I'm not out there like dealing with the teenagers texting and driving, you know, like so yeah. it's uh, it's definitely it's easy to do, you know. And so I could see if you had something like that. I think that's the beauty of like Bellingham, like where Josh lives, where he's like, oh, these yeah. amazing trails, but like right outside of his door, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to go up there and see if he's just bullshitting, right? No, <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, you've been up yeah, in that area too, huh? Yeah. Like my buddy, uh, Paul, not Paul the punter, but like Paul that I grew up with who calls me Joey. Yeah, uh, that's funny. you know, he, um, hang on. 
close the close the door. Um, anyways, uh, he used to live he used to live out there, and I would go like once a year to go mountain biking, and it is just some of the best riding. The hype is so real there because yeah. it, it's great. Like you do have climbing trails, but it's the top. It's like five, six, maybe eight hundred feet of climbing. Uh-huh. It's not bad, depending on the trail. Like there are taller climbs, yeah. Um, but if you just need to get in a quick trail, you can climb up and then head down, and like it's maybe like a thirty-minute ride, mm-hmm. and it's a great ride too. Yeah. So that's why Josh can ride every day. Yeah, their dirt up there is just like amazing all the time. So oh, earlier yeah. when you were talking, I uh, I remembered what my question was that I, I told oh. you I had this great question. I still had to write it down because otherwise I would have forgot it again by now. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a mountain bike and it's actually back there behind you that has drop bars on it. What are you thinking? You're, you're talking about that bike. Yeah, that's GT as well. Yeah, so this was the uh, GT Avalanche that they sent me for a review. And here's a little uh, secret you know, I did get to keep that. I was not paid for that review. And a lot of people did point out like, well, you can't say you weren't paid because of the fact that you got to keep the bike. And I was like, you know, that's fair. So um, the Schwinn was also another bike that was sent to me. Both of these bikes are getting donated. And that's what I'm doing whenever a a company sends me a bike and they say that I can keep it. I'm just going to donate it because I already have more than enough stuff. And, you know, especially nowadays, there's a lot of people that, um, mountain biking is turning into a real luxury. And yeah. so being able to make it more obtainable, um, the, the GT is probably going to go to a mountain bike coach that I know. And then right, the Schwinn is getting donated to a local co-op. Sweet. So I would so say yeah, like, what's that? I said, I would sell them. I think, nah. I think your time is worth money, but that's a righteous thing that you're doing there, man. Right on. I dude. mean, I already got, I already so got back to why your screws are loose and you got drop bars on that thing. Tell me about that. All right. So I'm actually <laughs> going to make a whole video on this because it, it turned into a crazy adventure, but basically I was stuck in quarantine and in Colorado, I wanted to be a good citizen and follow the rules, which was, you know, stay within, uh, I think it was like a 15 mile radius of your home. Uh-huh. Uh, and this was early, early in the quarantine. So yeah. you know, that doesn't apply currently. I was like, but, I'm sure they said 50. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? Is that, you know, the hospitals were overflowing. Yeah. 15 mile radius limit. No mountain biking was happening because all the trails that I wanted to go to were at least 30 miles away. Okay. <laughs> so like, what's the point? Um, and I had a bunch of spare parts and I wanted to make it challenging. So I took the GT and I'm like, well, you know, I can ride this around as is, but I really like gravel bikes. I have a bunch of spare parts kicking around. I'm going to turn this bike into like the ultimate gravel bike, uh-huh. uh, which there's apparently a term for that. It's called monster cross monster cross. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. If it means so I like, buy a new bike. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So for the people that don't know the terminology, um, cycle cross is uh, one of the original categories of 
a road bike that was adapted to go off road. So it has more, more rugged frame builds, but it's still very lightweight. And then it uses wider tires, but still relatively narrow compared to mountain bike tires. We're talking like one, one and a quarter inch wide tires at most. Right. Um, and so cycle cross, that's that. And then gravel is kind of like the plush bikes, you know, more of the adventure bikes. Monster cross was the term that people came up with to kind of describe basically a mountain bike with drop bars. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Um, so like with your road bike, one of the big reasons why it's so nice to have drop bars is because you have all these positions that you can move your hand into to yeah. keep banging my mic. Um, you can move your, your hand around so you don't get stiff. And also you can drop into more aerodynamic position, uh, yeah. which I want people to try this on your mountain bike. Next time when you're going down a hill with your friends, drop your saddle. So that way your center of gravity is lower and then tuck yourself as close as you can to your bars without pedaling. And then just watch how fast you start passing your friends. That's how much of a difference air drag can make. So yeah, that's crazy. why those aero bars are so critical, especially on downhill segments. You earn, you know, you work so hard to earn that speed. You want to keep it going as long as you can. Um, and then the other thing was, I just wanted to make my local green belt trail way more interesting. Right. Make and it more I mean, that's the term that you're going to hear a lot of people use to talk about like why they got a gravel bike when they yeah. had a mountain bike. It's because it will make green trails challenging, which you know, a lot of people think that's silly and I can appreciate why, but for yeah. me, it's still fun. And that's the whole purpose of riding bikes is to have fun. Not who has the most correct bike. Yeah. Totally. I think that's a concept that people uh, forget about Rocco. Do you need something? <laughs> Your dog is like panting and, and looking at me anxiously. Yeah, He's like, what's up, dude. It's time for dinner, man. Stop talking about bikes. I'm ever yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of the idea why I was I was bored and I had a bunch of spare parts and I wanted to make the local trails interesting. And then from there, suddenly I realized, wow, this is actually really fun. Yeah. I'm actually gonna turn this into a whole project. Like instead yeah. of just using spare parts, I was like, all right, I'm gonna build this out right. So like I ordered a an ultra wide drop bar from PNW components. Uh, I put better brakes on there. I put better, like, I got a uh, really nice. They sell wider drop bars then. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. They're like. Um, Instead of like just what you have on your road bike. Yeah. 52 centimeters, sense. which is basically like 520 millimeters. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what the I got. The braking is then so I... different. That's the only thing that I'm like, man, on the like chunky stuff, it's like really weird when you're on like, like when I'm on my cross biker. So I can imagine on that too. It's just like, it's like my mind's not like wrapped up for that, like breaking hand position yet. You know, I, I definitely would have to do it more to be able to like get norm, like make it feel normal. So it's very interesting because like, um, there's uh riding up on the horns which is on the top of yeah. the handlebar and then riding in the drops is when you're in like those loops yeah that's where you actually kind of want to be for those more technical things because that way you're not worried about your hands sliding up off of the horns mm -hmm. which is usually where i get into the most problems um 
being down in the drops gives you uh, a more aggressive position because you're kind of in that attack position like we talked about yeah. mountain biking. then you can't and break like, yeah but then if you hit something <laughs> your palms are gonna you know dig into the grips and you're gonna be able yeah. to hold on and and that's that's why it's a little bit weird hang on let me yeah look. yeah yeah no problem i am i'm really uh really in, like kind of considering giving the gravel thing more of a try than i have like when i first bought my gravel bike honestly the only reason i bought it was so that i would have gears to be able to climb because otherwise my road bike was a single speed so i sacramento is pretty flat for the most part so i was riding i did rides that were like 70 miles long on in my single speed speed you know but it's flat like where i did need to climb would be like going over bridges and shit like that you know so it would be like get out of the saddle chug it out a little bit you'd be all right and then i did but like when my lady started getting into road riding more then she would want to go and climb more so i bought the the gravel bike because it was like a compromise where it was like i'm not a roadie i can buy this and if i want to put slick tires on it i can put slick tires on it if not i can ride it with the knobbies and and i can justify it that i'm not a roadie and uh i've been thinking about it more and more and like because the hardtail, I think the hardtail kind of got me into this position too, where it's the same idea as like make things harder, right? So it's like I've ridden the hard trail on a bunch of trails around like Auburn where I ride a lot. And I see these guys up there on the cross bikes and I'm like, man, that's just crazy. And then I start thinking to myself, man, I wonder how, I mean, climbing up Clem wouldn't be so bad if I was on a road bike because it's like, you know, so it's getting it in my head. It's starting to work in there. Sorry, I had myself muted for a second. Yeah, no, it's all right. Um, yeah, you know, I, I definitely don't try to force it on people, but you know what's really interesting I've noticed? Uh, because during quarantine and COVID, when, you know, it started getting lifted, suddenly you saw this massive explosion of people wanting to get back into or just into uh, biking and mountain biking yeah. was really popular. And one of the most interesting things I saw was when I started going out on my local trails again, I saw so many garage queens, you know, the, the bikes that got ridden for maybe like a few months and then just hung up on racks and just left yeah. in the garage. And a lot of them were like great bikes uh, or bikes that you could tell were an older model, or, but looked brand new. And so people were like, yeah, you know, I enjoy riding, but I don't want a mountain bike, but I want to go on my local trails. And um, someone that I knew, actually, they had um this really 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 nice mountain bike from like 20 years ago like mm -hmm. back in the day that was like a top end yeti type bike right and they're like hey should i fix this up or should i get a new bike and i was like well it depends what are you doing like well i just mostly ride around the green belt around my neighborhood i'm like i mean the bike that you have is still perfectly good but you know it was it was starting to fall into disrepair because it was so old uh -huh. and it was hard to source parts guess what they got? They got gravel bikes. Yeah. Because nice. that was a perfect compromise. It's more aggressive than what they had even from 20 years ago, but it's not so aggressive as like a high tower. Cause that was yeah. one of the bikes we were looking at. Um, and yeah, I mean like that's one of the benefits of it. It just, I, I really wish people would stop obsessing over like why a bike is wrong and just appreciate why certain people would buy that bike. I saw a gravel bike the other day. I don't, I can't remember what brand it is. Somebody in comics probably know. It, it was a full suspension gravel bike. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. 
And you know what? If that's the perfect bike for you, then more power to you. <laughs> there, there's a bike for everyone, right? Yeah, there's a bike for everyone. Personally, I think that, you know, that's kind of that because we could. Yeah. And you got the money and that solves a problem for you. Yeah. Awesome. But I do think at that point you are better off just getting a really like an XC you know, bike. Yeah, getting a full suspension XC bike and yeah, just putting yeah. some smaller diameter tires are not diameter, but you know, with yeah, gotcha. Yeah, We're less with tires. Words are hard, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just you know, customizing it. That's basically what I did with the GT was you know, um, one of the, one of my favorite places to bargain hunt is the pros closet. Mm -hmm. A lot of people complain, you know, when I made a video on that, they're like, stop giving away the good stuff. Because if you actually sit and watch their channel, like, or their website, go in there every couple days and just check and see what they've updated, uh, or especially their eBay, eBay store, you mm -hmm. find massively good deals for like 190 dollars. i got these stan arch wheels brand oh, nice. new the only problem with them is that they had a blemish like so you're just talking about the hoops or they were built like hubs and everything yeah like oh, wow. everything right yeah they were what arch s1s yeah that's yeah. awesome so like ultralight yeah ultralight and like with the money that i saved I was able to uh, get um, an upgraded hub on it, so it even has finer engagement on yeah. it. You know, and I'm like so right for now. like two hundred and twenty dollars, I had this really lightweight, high engagement wheel set. Yeah, um, and it's only like a twenty five, twenty two, twenty five. I think it's like twenty five, twenty four millimeter width rim. So uh -huh. not really meant for aggressive stuff, but perfect for like lightweight trail riding. I want to buy another set of 29er wheels for my chameleon, even though I like the the 27.5 a lot. There are some places where I'm like, I wonder how I would like, because I did ride it as a 29er for a while. So I'm like, I think I want to put some on there. So I don't want to fully commit into buying a like really nice wheel set. But I was actually looking at some hoops the other day. And now that you said that, I think that's the website I'm heading to this evening. Like I said, you're, you're going to go on there and you're going to be like, oh, there's nothing good on here. The way that they get their inventory is it's either used, um, which they fully inspect everything, or it is like warehouse clearouts where yeah, like a yeah. bike shop just want to get rid of something. Or like a uh, bike brand had way too many Maxis minions that they had bought for a production run and ended up not needing it and for yeah. cleaning up the books you know, the finance books that month or that quarter, they want to sell it. So they buy, I was able to buy, um, high roller 2.3 29er tires with, uh, max Terra compound, like $15 a pop. Nice. There you go. Just insane. Like I, I bought like five sets because why not? They're so cheap. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely here. That's, I mean, tires aren't cheap either, man. I tell you, I, I, um, I pinched one the other day and, um, in a way that it like ripped like right by the, the bead. And, you know, I was telling my buddy about it and he's like, there goes a hundred bucks. And I was like, damn, he's right. You know, yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, it is, it is insane because they're consumables, but of course, you know, they're the literally the only thing contacting the ground between, right. 
you know, you and the bike. Uh, so you don't want to cheap out on that. I'm actually looking to see what they have right now for wheels. So let's see. Before you get off on that tangent, I want to ask you one more thing about the, the, the dropper drop bar bike. Do yeah. you have a dropper seat on that bike? Yes, I have Do the PNW Coast. I think it's called. Yeah, the PNW Coast suspension dropper post. Oh, what's that mean? Tell me about that. So um, this is a really clutch thing. It's an air cartridge dropper post. So you pump it up, but they made it easy to get at the valve. So it comes off the back of the uh, stanchion. Okay. And what you do is you dial in the pressure like you would you shock. Uh But what you want to do is you want to find the pressure where when you're pedaling, it stays planted. But then when you hit a bump, it actually uh-huh. compresses. So it actually kind of acts what? like a broken dropper post. Yeah. And for a hardtail, when you're like seated and you're like, especially on gravel bikes, but even just mountain bike hardtails, because they make it in mountain bike sizes. Um, the benefit of that is your tires absorb all the chatter. But then like when you hit that big rock or, you know, yeah. uh, stunt, uh, root, yeah. the saddle, bloop bounces down and then pops back up and it it takes the edge off like you still definitely feel that you hit something it doesn't mute the trail yeah Uh, yeah no replacement for a full suspension bike because it's all it is is disconnecting you from the from a big hit yeah but i love it i think it's like one of the coolest things and yeah i was gonna uh, ask you if you had your dropper lever like um set up to the derailleur on the on the drop bar but yeah, I, like I'm going to go over that in the video. Uh, yeah. I have all that stuff filmed. I just need to sit down and edit it. Um, oh, that's really cool. So yeah, I was thinking about even on my my current gravel bike, it has a two by up front. And I'm thinking about dropping the two by and just putting a, a oh, dropper yeah. in through the same routing. Yeah, just get like a good one by setup and you're good. And then you can have uh, the lever be converted over most levers, depending if it's Shimano, it's a little harder. Tram is really easy. You just take a little clip out and it's done. Uh, uh-huh. or, you know, PNW sells, um, the lever for drop bars cause they're a different diameter. Uh-huh. Uh, Where does that yeah, go? wherever you oh. want it, you can uh-huh. put it like towards the top. So like when you're riding up on the uh, top of the bar, you can hit it. Uh, uh-huh. some people like, they put it towards the drop so like you can operate it like this. Uh, Wolf yeah. Tube actually makes a dropper specific lever arm where it goes into the end and then the uh, lever kind of sits over the bar itself like it's parallel with it. So that oh, okay. way you can just go down to the end of the bar. It's really hard. Yeah, to yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And you squeeze the bar end and you actuate that lever. Right on. Tons of ways to solve the problem, but yeah, I think the way I'm going to solve the problem, I'm just buy another bike now. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> or just buy one that comes with it. I'm sure yeah. that full suspension gravel bike comes with it, but uh, yeah, dude, you can get like some for wheels. You can get like $1,500 Envy Carbons. You can get some um, stands for like uh, twenty Santa Cruz yeah. Reserve twenty five carbon for fifteen hundred sixteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm looking for like $500 or less. So yeah, I'll definitely have to check it out tonight. That definitely sounds like a, like a, a good waste of my time. You know, you <laughs> find yourself like going down these like rabbit holes the other day. I, um, 
through a conversation with the lady, we talked about, man, that would be nice if we had like an ice machine, like an ice machine, like you would get at a, at like a, like a restaurant, you know, cause one of our friends has one they they ride a lot, you know, so it's like you go out in the garage, it's like big freaking thing ice and just scoop it in the camel back. And we're like, dude, we should get one of those. So I spent at least like probably two hours, like on the internet, looking at this one, reading this review, doing this, doing this. And like basically about two, two and a half hours in, I'm like, I'm not spending $500 for ice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But it, it it was I had to do it though I had to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, so good times, good times there. That's for sure. Are you um, what kind of what kind of gear are you stoked about lately? Oh, that's a good question. So, what am I, what am I stoked on? I I, I have you, a go ahead. I have a drivetrain that I'm supposed to review, but I, I still haven't taken it out of the box. Is that bad? Uh, is that a is that a, one of the big names or? Uh, it's the Advent Nine. Oh, okay. Who's Advent? Yeah, the, not the Advent X that just came out, but the Advent Nine. Uh, they reached out to me. They want me to put it on the Schwinn, and the project got put on ice because I was waiting for some parts for the current video that I'm working on with the Schwinn. Uh -huh. And then I got distracted with the 3D printer. They emailed me. They're like, hey, uh, you should, you're going to do that? I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I did injure my wrist, though, so that sent back a lot of things. But what am I like? What am I using that I'm actually really stoked on? Um, so I'm loving that Troy Lee design uh, stage helmet. Yeah. While you go, go get that, I can tell you right now what I've been like most happy about in my life is whether it's hand up or it's Tasco is like their summer gloves right now. They're super light. Oh, yeah. gloves. oh my God. I'm in love. I love them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually just got Tasco's new, more aggressive gloves. The one that has a little bit more uh, padding and it yeah, Velcro's yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, because it was funny. I first started talking with Nate because I really didn't want to get, um, minimalist gloves because in austin you have a lot of speed gates and if you're not familiar with that term it's basically like trees that are purposefully left on either side of the trail to slow you down uh -huh. uh, so uh you know enduro racers hate those so they try to chop them down and then the cross-country guys are, oh, no, it's a big thing yeah. anyways uh i would bash my knuckles on my you know 700 800 millimeter bars yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I would actually wear motocross gloves uh -huh. And I kept seeing all these ads for Tasco and hand up. And I was like, I can't use those because they, you know, I'll bash my knuckles in. And um, Nate actually reached out to me. He's like, well, have you actually tried our gloves yet? And I was like, oh, no. He's like, I'll send you some. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so that's how I met Nate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this helmet, this is like my new favorite thing. I honestly think that. Anyone who does any aggressive trail riding should seriously consider getting a lightweight full face. It is amazing yeah. how much tech and protection they can fit into a lightweight package. I mean, this is honestly, if I took off the GoPro mount, which I'm hoping to 3D print something besides this, because this thing is kind of a safety hazard. It's a big metal quick release plate. Uh -huh. um, without that, this helmet it's maybe only like a couple hundred grams heavier than my half lid. Yeah. 
a regular Cali trail helmet. And it just offers a little bit more protection. It's it yeah, is I mean, a little hotter, I mean, but yeah. I mean, on the climbs, most yeah. people take off their helmets for full face anyways. And it's so lightweight, you could clip it onto your backpack or just hang it on your handlebars. But it's not that hot. And yeah. I used to ride in Austin. So I, I was obsessed with making sure that I was using lightweight, breathable gear. Uh, right. In Colorado, obviously, I'm allowed to get away with a little bit less because it's not as humid. But that sun can bake you. I mean, you know yeah. how it is when you get at high altitudes and you're just exposed. Yeah. That no, I don't I get you. So, yeah. This, I think, was like one of the best purchases I've made. I, I still really like Cali, but they just didn't have a full face trail helmet that fit me right. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for that new. I had um, Brad, the, the owner of Cali on a few weeks back, and uh, he was saying that they made some updates to their new full face that they have. And that should be coming out later this year. So I'm kind of waiting for those updates to come out. And then I think I'm going to grab one. I have a uh bell like a detachable full face super comfortable breathes very well but i just don't wear it very often but i've i've definitely been thinking a lot lately with some of the trails that i've been doing like why am i wearing like why am i not like protecting my face you know like like i i, I guess i'm just getting old enough to that where i'm like more worried about getting injured than i am about looking cool you know, <laughs> I mean, it is funny when I first got this, it was uh, to wear out in Sedona. One of the one of the personal reasons I got it was with full faces. It's really convenient to mount your GoPro there because your head is the perfect gimbal. And then yeah. you get that real great POV shot and it's yeah. just click, click, done. Um, so I wanted to wear it in Sedona. And of course, Sedona is really hot. So yeah. I needed lightweight, breathable. And I I actually really abused the Amazon return policy because I bought the uh, Fox pro frame. I bought, well, not through Amazon, but I did buy that Cali interceptor, I think is their new lightweight full face. The invader. I, yeah. I think. Yeah. Invader. Like yeah, I yeah. was stuck in between sizes. And I think that was the feedback they got from a lot of people was yeah. you need more than two shell sizes. Like, yeah, you can't use pads to try to make up for that. Um, so that didn't fit the Fox. The Fox was pretty comfortable, but still pretty not breathable. Yeah. The worst That's interesting because that pro frame looks like it breathes very well. This thing has a lot, a lot, a lot of vents on it. And uh -huh. I mean, it's super minimalist. Like anything that didn't need to be there, they took off, which right on. that's probably one of the best ways to approach engineering is instead of figuring out what you can add to it, remove everything that's not required. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's, this was actually lighter than the equivalent size pro frame. Yeah. Which depending on how you look at it, you know, could be a good or a bad thing because with helmets, you know, you would like to think that bigger is better, but just like we found with cars, more steel doesn't equal safer. It's how yeah, that, yeah how those materials are designed and what materials put into what position. Like a lot of people um, really like the bell removable one that you have. Yeah. But there were like, first off you have to put in all that. And I think that Callie talked about this on your podcast. You have to put in all that hardware that is extra engineering. It makes it heavier. It makes it more complex. Yeah. It has to go through more testing. 
Right. Whereas like when it's one piece, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, and um, don't get me wrong. This is no replacement for a downhill helmet. I still have my uh, carbon fiber Cali Shiva. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is what I wear when I go to the park because I don't mess around when I'm at the park. Yeah. Yeah. The bell I have is the DH version. So I think that's why I don't wear it very often because it's definitely bigger. It breathes amazing like no overheating issues. And even when I've worn it as a half shell, it doesn't feel like heavy or anything. Like it's a great helmet, like really no problem telling people to do it. Um, but I think if I had something like what you're holding or like the Cali, like that's super, super minimalistic, super light, super breathable, then I might actually start wearing it more than the half lid. I, I you know, honestly, I, I, this this is my go-to helmet now. I yeah. the only time I grab my uh, half lid Cali is when I'm just pedaling around the neighborhood and I know I don't need anything else. Any other time, you know, going to the jump park, going to uh, Floyd Hill to test the bike or just get a good ride in, this this is what I grab. Like well, you're coming with the new the new Hero Eight though now too, aren't you? You know what's funny. Um, I still use the seven. I have the eight, but I still use the seven. I, I when it's mounted like this, it's hard to tell them apart. Uh huh. Yeah, I was just I, I was wondering if that's the reason that's your helmet then, because like for me, it's like I'm still using the four and the gimbal, so it's it's not a, as easy easily justified to wear the full face to be able to get the footage. You know, honestly, grab like you know if you if you're still on a four, it's worth jumping to the eight. Yeah. If you have a seven, it's not worth going to the eight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of at that spot where I'm just waiting for my stuff to die. I mean, <laughs> and I'm hoping that like the nine comes out before my stuff dies, you know, because at this point I am, um, I still have two GoPros and two gimbals, you know, until they stop working. And um, I'm just not doing as much, I guess, because I kind of like, I, I, you know, after I went through the, the, same kind of burnout or whatever you want to call it that you were talking about earlier. Um, like once I went through that, I'm not, I'm not trying to push for a video every week. I'm, I'm, my personal goal is like one a month, you know, and if something else comes up, something else comes up, you know, but for the most part, that's what I'm shooting for one a month. And then I'm doing this every weekend. And uh, so I'm not riding as much with all that stuff on. So it's definitely not, get, it's not getting the abuse that it was before when I was doing, you know, at least a video a week, maybe sometimes two, you know? Yeah. Funny thing is, is a GoPro definitely caused a weird problem for themselves that the four was such a good camera. Right. It wasn't until like the six, actually really the seven. Seven. I think the seven uh, was the one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like the hero five was a whole new departure, which I get why they did it, but it was such, it was so poorly executed. And then the six was what the five should have been. Yeah. And then we got like Vista seven. and seven, like the, the five was Vista and you know, like yeah. the six was, was windows seven, man. I'm just exactly. like, that up. I'm if you guys are not in the it industry and you don't understand what I have said, don't worry. It wasn't worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, then when the hero seven came out, that was finally the camera that was like, okay, yeah, I'll use this instead of my Hero 4. But yeah. the Hero 4s, they're 
really strong for how basic they're built because they're mostly built out of plastic but for some because they're so lightweight yeah it takes a major hit to demolish them um, yeah and then when you did you could source all the parts to rebuild it yourself or just buy them cheap on ebay because there was yeah. always at least 50 on ebay um but yeah so now you know gopro has been trying to convince everyone to buy their newest stuff and the seven the the seven was that camera that made me switch and then i got the eight because i you know was obsessed with like being one of the first people to review it and then i got yeah. it i was like yeah it's basically the same and then i lost all interest in making a video <laughs> everyone else made a video by the time i got it because i was on vacation and i get back everyone put out their first look videos and i was like maybe i could do a deep dive then i start looking like well i can work at the look at the color science look at the bit rate oh my god i'm boring myself never mind <laughs> boring yourself <laughs> that's awesome you know you know it's bad when you're boring yourself right yeah it's like no one cares they're just watching <laughs> our videos while they sit on the toilet in between lunch breaks at work right yeah tell me about it i wonder yeah <laughs> that's too funny man there's like uh the the writing now is a little interesting with a lot of uh do you guys have like gobs and gobs of hikers on all the trails or is it pretty like oh god it was so so bad for the longest time and like I, don't get me wrong i i think that this is great that the outdoor community uh suddenly got a few more people i'm yeah, just hoping yeah. that we get a lot of people sticking around and doing trail builds and doing uh, yeah. more advocacy for trail yeah. access because now they understand, you know, these trails just don't appear, but unfortunately we still have problems just like everywhere else. Colorado is having trail access problems like California is and other States. But yeah, yeah, when everything started opening back up and you were allowed to get out more, Oh my gosh, the trails were just exploding. Yeah. Um, I just would hope that, would actually start picking their trash up that would be the first step no it got worse man just oh, man, all of so a sudden funny. all these weekend warriors went out there and people are finding all sorts of garbage i mean i'm sure you've seen the stuff posted on uh, instagram where like local park trailheads the, the trash bins are overflowing with crap the trails are littered people are just leaving stuff up there like they'll grab mcdonald's and hike up to the top of a you know, like five mile climb, eat it and done and just toss it over the side. And it was like each one of those people made a small, but like noticeable impact. Multiply that by a hundred people a day. Yeah. It got insane. Yeah. It was pretty crazy around here. And like, there's a, there's a trail that we climb in Auburn called Clementine. And it's about for, for the riders. It's, I think it's around three miles. But it also goes, it's following the river and halfway up the trail is, uh, there's a dam, which is like, you know, got essentially a waterfall coming off of it, right? A man-made waterfall. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of people hike up to that to, um, to see the, the dam. And, you know, it's like a good, you know, mile and a half or whatever up and then mile and a half back. And it's like people are doing it with their kids and everything. And then, so that trail normally on the weekends is usually pretty busy anyway, but it went from busy to like Disneyland whenever everything first happened. Oh yeah. And then, and then after that, you know, 
they had closed the parking lot. So then people had to park up top of the hill and then hike down. And um, I think that's when it even got worse because then instead of them, you know, having to walk downhill to get back to their car, they had to walk up. So then they would just start, you know, shedding stuff, you know, and you're just, as you're climbing, you just see this like just trash, like everywhere. And it was just, it was just, it was really like a bummer that, you know, like, like I didn't, I was having a hard time, like wrapping my head around it. Like, Hey, you came out here to like be in nature and, and have a good time with it. And then you're just going to throw your trash all over the place. Like I'm not a, like a, I'm not a, like an environmentalist by any means, you know, but I'm like, seriously, dude, like, yeah, you know, like, you know, it, it's insane. Uh, there was a spot in Austin that always broke my heart because it was one of my favorite places to ride. Austin locals will know what I'm talking about. It's sculpture falls. Um, and it is off of the Hill of Life Greenbelt. And it is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, amazing place to go and hang out. But because it was so amazing and because it was so easy to get to, you had a lot of college kids go in there. And yeah. I the watched. Yeah, I watched these two frat boys carry this giant cooler full of beer. Yeah. And they crack a beer, drink the beer, toss the can. Right. Like they went through all that effort to bring it in. But when it was like one eighth of the weight, not, right. not even one tenth of the weight, they right. wouldn't bother to bring it back. So like you'd get in the water and there would be beer cans that you would step on and cut your feet. You would see uh, styrofoam water burger um, trash all over the place. It was just like what you you went through all the effort to bring it in. Right. It's now lighter and easier to pack away, but you won't bring it out. Yeah. That does not compete with me. And it's like, this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah. So like so, at the same at the same time, I'm I'm not what many would consider like an environmentalist. Yeah. But at the same time, pick up your shit. Right. Like it's I'm, not I'm, that hard. Like yeah. you wouldn't go over to someone's house and feel comfortable just tossing litter onto their carpet why would yeah. you do that outside you would think right I, I will say though you know to bring it back to a positive note dude i'm i'm stoked that people uh people are getting out there and hopefully that whenever this stuff wraps up that they continue to do so you, you know what i mean so um it would be nice but for some of you this could be a good thing if they don't because Somebody said this to me the other day and I was like, you know what? You got a good point. They're like, watch when the, all the like restrictions are lifted and people are allowed to do whatever they want to do. And it gets closer to Christmas time and they want to have some money. All of a sudden, all these nice bikes that people went out and bought that, uh, that stopped getting used as soon as the quarantine was lifted. Those things are going to be for sale. And Hey, it could be a, it could be a screaming deal like 2021 for like oh, yeah. all these, it's going to be winter. They're going to be like, screw that bike. I don't want to ride that bike anyway. <laughs> oh yeah. It like, uh, as soon as life goes back to quote normal, um, it is going to be just a treasure trove. Like, um, Josh daily MTB rider. He wow. is such a bargain hunter. Like I am. We're both just like, Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, this is gonna be great. We're gonna be able to like uh, make all these videos. We're gonna be able to buy upgrades for our bikes, and you know, not just us for everyone. For the people that actually decide to stay in mountain biking, you know, they bought that entry level bike. They discovered that they loved mountain biking. Now they can get that five thousand dollar mountain bike for like twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it'll be it's sick. gonna be great. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be nice to see what what happens. I've been really eyeing up. Like I told you, I've been thinking about a new bike, and obviously, I'm freaking a Santa Cruz fanboy. So, I've been really looking at that 2019 it uh, Bronson, and it's like their new frame design, and the 2019 specifically because I really like the gray. So, like, I um I'm like, man, I'm just waiting for those things to start popping up because now that there's a new color design out like people are gonna like oh, i want the new one with the new one and hopefully that that yeah. that gray one starts coming out you soon oh I'll yeah be, i'll be there to swoop it up <laughs> so i mean like um steve y just made a comment about e-bikes i'm oh, curious yeah, what go. the used market's going to be like for e-bikes because there's yeah. probably going to be uh some people that bought some and then you know it's like ah the novelty's worn off because they are expensive I'm, I'm not going to pretend that they're not expensive. Uh, and See, that's why you have dentists that buy very, those things. Very specific about the November 5th to 6th. I wonder if he knows about some kind of a super deal that's going on somewhere. Or that's exactly when he's expecting them to unload, like right before Thanksgiving. Yep. Uh, all those all those people that need to clear house to make room for like <laughs> paying off Christmas bills or, you know, holiday stuff. Um now, Steve said the E word. We might as well talk about it. What do you want one? E bikes, yeah. You I, think, I think that great. Which one do you think would you would ride more? You think you would still ride the analog more? Or you think you would start? You really like once you get a taste of it, it'd be like it's on being the E all the time. Um, I think I would stick with analog because I mean, you know, you're still getting added complexity and maintenance on top of that. Then you yeah. got to charge it. And the, the thing about e-bikes is like, I totally understand why some trails limit them. Um, but at the same time, I think that the stereotype of like, oh, they cause more damage to the trail. I think that's just people kind of overreacting. Yeah, I'm not buying it either. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just like, just people everybody wants to nobody wants to change everybody wants to bitch about stuff i, I don't i don't see it either because i can yeah. tell you dude I, I would imagine yeah i i think that'll just be like a a rant if i start going on about it i, I don't see it either like honestly i think that it's a good thing and um i'm i i would be stoked i didn't even think about the e-bikes being up there for sale like steve said so or whoever mentioned that like that uh i'd love to get an e-bike i know it'll happen too it'll be like i'll see some sweet deal like right after i buy that bronson right so i'll be like just dumped you know a couple grand into a new bike build and then it'll be like oh yeah although becoming I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you this um i would the first e-bike that i'll buy is the one that alex chamberlain cannot destroy Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause that guy like 
give him i've always, like every time alex chamberlain posts on instagram he's broken another thing i always be like this is why i will never let you borrow my bike <laughs> because like the reason why he breaks is because alex chamberlain is an absolute beast on a bike yeah, yeah. he like well, he rides you know, a lot of moto too so i could see him like with an e-bike just trying to te like treat that thing like a motorcycle you know oh yeah you know, going full send all the time. So that's why for, you know, for me, like, um, also another person, uh, Dakota tag along, uh, you got to meet him out in Sedona, right? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. Yeah. The gorilla gravity guys. Uh, you know why I wouldn't hesitate recommending gorilla gravity to people? Why is that? Because Dakota has not been able to break his frame. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that dude ride on his videos. He's a shredder. That's for sure. Oh Yeah. He's an absolute legend. And like he has broken uh, lyrics, just completely demolished them. Wow. And like, and like he, that's just the, the cost of entry for him riding the way he does. And yeah. uh, it's not that he doesn't take care of stuff. It's just that he finds the limitations of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, you know, pro riders have the benefit of having, you know, that stuff serviced and you'll know, be able to send it to, uh, the company to get it serviced so there's a reason why between every lap you know the team tears down and rebuilds the bike basically yeah yeah right so yeah if if dakota or alex chamberlain cannot break the bike <laughs> guaranteed to last cool. a lifetime right on dude we're coming up on two hours here man i want to ask you uh what else you like watching on youtube uh, besides videos on 3D printers, because that seems to be all I've that, that, now. That's the thing lately, huh? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's the camera gear stuff. I really like watching DP reviews. Um, who's another good one that I really like? Oh, there's this really cool um, local artist, uh, Detour. He does huh? uh, urban art. And he does a lot of cool like murals and stuff like that. Really cool person. Check him out. Uh, Pathless Pedals. He, if you want to know everything about gravel bikes, this dude is the guy to watch. Russ really focuses on like the everyday, just want to ride to have fun and be comfortable. Yeah. So no elitist attitude there. He just wants to enjoy life on a bike. So that's where my watching all these damn van build videos i have this like <laughs> van fantasy that's like really far-fetched because i don't think i'll ever actually get one because every time i go through the whole process in my head i get back around to like why am i spending fifty thousand dollars for something i don't think i'm gonna end up using that much like not fifty thousand dollars worth of use you, you know what i mean like how yeah. many times could i rent a van that has everything in it for as many weekends as i want for 50 grand like that so like, but I, I keep watching all these videos and these builds and how they did the build and how they hid it. I'm like, I don't know. It's just like the rabbit hole that I like keep falling into. Yeah, it's, I thought about one too, but same thing. It's like, how can I justify it? Because, you know, I totally get why Alex did it. I totally get yeah. why Brian did it. Yeah. it. Me, like, maybe like I'm trying to justify like, you know, buying a nice new tent or even maybe getting one of those um, pop-up tents that go on the yeah. top of your car that you see yeah, like, totally. the, uh, yeah, you I know, know talking about. adventure drivers go. That I might think about when we get a house, then I'll have a place to store it. But right now yeah. with an apartment, 
even if we had a house, I don't think I could justify buying a whole nother vehicle. That's basically, you know, just another thing that needs to be maintained. Yeah. Yeah. Even like, there's a guy that works at, at my work and he had, has one, but it's like his daily driver as well. You know, I'm so like, I'm like, kind of like, okay, I can kind of see, like, you can make a little justify it that way. But I'm like, I don't want that to be my regular vehicle though, either. So I yeah. think, well, all I'm going to do is fantasize about it all the time and actually never do it, but it just give me, it'll give me plenty. There's plenty of content to watch about it. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, my brother-in-law, funny enough, he's thinking about doing a van conversion. Um, he's the guy that does the DP stuff and he's already done a conversion for like videography, but now he wants to do one for like road tripping around. And wow. he found Paul, the punters videos and re recognized my logo on the fridge because oh, nice. I gave Paul one of my magnets in Sedona. Yeah. Uh, but real quick, if you uh, enjoy any type of like machine shop, engineering stuff and love someone with a really sassy sense of humor this old tony is a must watch his oh, yeah. like i don't i don't know how this guy is good at so many different things like a while back um he is a trials rider so like he does motorcycle trials and sometimes he'll bring his trial bike in and he'll like machine replacement parts yeah. But his storytelling, his sense of humor, the way he edits his videos, I'm like, this guy is so freaking good at so many things. I I'm a failure in life. I have I no idea how this guy's so good. Where he was like doing a thing about Yeah, I'm I'm almost positive I've watched one of his videos before. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Really entertaining. Definitely really entertaining. Yeah, I, I love every him and Seth are like yeah some of the channels that like when he, they make a video i stop what i'm doing and watch it because i know yeah. it's going to be a banger yeah yeah no definitely i hear you there right on dude hey man it's always easy burning two hours of conversation with you man like it i i always have a great time chatting for whatever reason we don't end up chatting much when we're, we're in person though it's funny <laughs> It's like when we were in Sedona, it was like, hey, how's it going, dude? Hey, blah, 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 blah. And then we're on, you know, it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll have to make a point of it this next year. Hopefully there is actually a Sedona. We can, I'm, I'm predicting the elections over and somehow COVID is miraculously not a problem anymore. And then um, we can go on to Sedona Mountain Bike Festival in March. Uh, well, you know, if the vaccine comes out around that time, maybe you might be right. Yeah, yeah the, lady was saying, the lady was saying there was like, oh, yeah, they got these trials. They said it should be released in December. I said, see, I told you. <laughs> so we'll anyways, see, yeah, yeah, dude, great hanging out. If you guys don't watch Trail Features channel, you should definitely check it out. Always good content out there. Awesome. Um, awesome cinematography. Great storyteller and uh, good. Good all around, dude. I had a great time chatting with you um those of you guys that if you enjoyed this hit the like button i don't know i'm not looking at the right page right now so i don't know how many of you did it but i'm sure there's not everyone so out of the 47 of you left or the you know a couple hundred of you guys that are going to watch this in the next few weeks hit the like button if you enjoyed it subscribe like i said before i've been saying this for the last few weeks i went on the social blade and they think i'm only going to be at like six thousand in one year so I don't want to be at 6,000 in one year. I want to be at 10,000 in one year. So if it's not for you guys hitting the subscribe button, 
I'm definitely never going to hit that goal. So let's see if we can do that. I think you guys, I think you guys can help me out. So, um, man, what a great, man, what a great conversation, dude. Really, really, truly had a good time talking with you. Um, anything you want to say on your way out? Whatever bike you got, wherever you live, grab it, go outside and find your next adventure. Right on, man. Thanks again for being on the show. And for all you guys out there, you guys know the deal. It only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one. See ya. <laughs>